You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. So it's Friday on the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Well, is, is, it? It fr- is it Friday? I guess this is whenever um, Deacon Basil gets around to posting these. Um, this is Marriage in Real Life on the Catholic Psyche podcast. And uh, getting right back into it. You know, it's been a while since we've actually posted one of these. Two. Yes. Yes, it has. You know why? Because real life has been a real I can't say that word no, on here. Pain in the neck. Pain in the neck. Yes. <laughs> a pain in the, in the rear. Uh, can, anyways, you, can you say that? I, I hope so. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, um, so... You know what? what shouldn't be a pain in the rear? The thing we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, why do I always have to spend so long editing stuff that you say out of this, out of this episode? I'm sorry. I, I see a line and then I jump over it. Y- yeah. Anyway, so we're going to be talking about today sex. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I think we wanted to talk so much, you know, spend an entire show talking about sex is, oh, well, it's sex. No, um, it's because <laughs> one of the things that, that I've seen um, is that in, in the church, whether pastorally, clinically, uh, spiritually, mm-hmm. sex is um, very often like the focal point mm-hmm. of uh, issues. People um, sort of almost fixate on it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that very often people come to counseling because they feel that there's a s- issue within their sex lives. Mm-hmm. And um, as it is with like, you know, people come to counseling because they see an issue with communication. And there are other issues that are principally there um, bef- long before there are sex mm-hmm. issues or issues in the sexual life. There's a, there's a statistic about this. Really? Uh-huh. Of course. Uh-huh. Um, why, don't you, why don't you quote it so you sound like uh, it's smart? And so I'll just I can here sound and, uh, smart for and once. And I'll just sit here all smug well, like I know it. I was, um, I was re-listening to um, a little bit of Sue Johnson's book, Created for Connection. So Sue Johnson, um, uh, what would be the right word? Founded, started, um, emotionally focused therapy? Yes. So uh, this is what Cherie is a specialist in. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. So there's the Gottman model, which is which is me. Uh, not me, but like, I mean, it's it's John Gottman. That's the that's <laughs> um, There's the Gottman model. Um, and then there's also the emotionally focused uh, therapy or EFT. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Sue Johnson. And both of them, um, they really do compete for effectiveness. Um, very, very, very strongly yeah. effective. So cool. But um, yeah, so Sue Johnson is, is the founder of it, or at least mm-hmm. the person who came up with a lot of the ideas and, and kind of insights. And her book, Created for Connection, check the show notes, Created for Connection, mm-hmm. is a Christian um, kind of reading of EFT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she cites a statistic that basically says in um, couples who are content in their marriage, um, they say only about 15% of the, oh, sorry. They say about 15% of that contentment is related to their sex life. So there's a lot of other stuff going on that plays into their contentment. But in couples who are not content in their marriage, who are very dissatisfied and unhappy, anywhere from 50 to 70% of that dissatisfaction is attributed to their sex life. So when things are going poorly, people often attribute it to their sex life, and that might be a big part of what's going on. Or like you said, there there's also probably a lot of other stuff around in the marriage um, that is 
um, finding it's making symptomatic, making making its symptoms apparent in the bedroom. Right. And, and I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing more obvious than uh, um, we're not having sex. And that's mm-hmm. the major issue. And I, and, I, and I see that as, you know, I, I understand mm-hmm. that that's the case. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I sometimes joke, um, what changed from um, the early 2000s to the late uh, 2010s? Um, when all of the men started going to confession and all of a sudden it was Deacon Basil and a bunch of guys when it used to be Deacon Basil and a bunch of women. What happened? Oh, yeah, because um, you were always going to confession. I actually, well, I, I, I have been relatively, you are. actually, coincidentally, once we got married, my um, faithfulness to confession went down. Um, I don't know what that says about us, but anyways, no, it, and the shift, of course, comes from a technology and it's very obvious now, for mm-hmm. the record, there mm-hmm. was sin happening with men long before there was that certain technology that mm-hmm. had, that came into its mm-hmm. completion, you know, its totality in the mid-2000s. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's obvious. And I think sexual mm-hmm. issues in general mm-hmm. are obvious. But just like things like pornography or masturbation, there are other issues that are associated with it long before it actually gets to that more obvious, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obvious sinful state or obvious issues within the marriage. So you're kind of saying um, a person's sex life, I mean, whether that's a married couple's sexual life, um, unmarried couple sexual life or or a person's um, like personal sex life um, tends to be the place where, where these problems really come forth in a tangible way. Yes. I mean, because it's an act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it's, not, and it's, it's a not vulnerable. A conver- it's a right. vulnerable and act. And it's not a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or it's not a general feeling of how things are going. Mm-hmm. It's um, we haven't had sex in six months. You know, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an obvious mm-hmm. kind of thing. That makes so sense. So that's where, you know, I think that's why we see sexual issues as common within, um, mm-hmm. within you know, kind of the clinical setting, but also mm-hmm. the pastoral. I mean, pastorally mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. comes up um, within pastoral counseling sessions um, mm-hmm. very often as well, and, and spiritual direction and, um, and confession as well. So um, what do we do about this? Well, I think the church has had a number of models on how it's kind of responded back to Mm -hmm. um, issues within sexuality and the sexual crisis. Um, One of the primary ones is that, and and I think a beautiful thing, is that the church has maintained, and uh, to different emphases over the the centuries, Um, sometimes I think we think whatever happened in the 1950s was what the church has always been, which is somewhat true, but also somewhat, yeah. But the church has always viewed a theological ramifications to sexuality. Mm-hmm. That there mm-hmm. are theological and spiritual realities. Again, uh-huh. spirit in Greek means psyche, uh, the spiritual life and the psychological life, uh, a lot of overlap there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the physical and the psychological and the spiritual. Let's not be Cartesians in this regard where we try and split uh-huh. the human person up mm-hmm. into different areas. Mm-hmm. All of our actions have psychological, physical, and emotional and, uh, and spiritual ramifications. And divisions are sometimes helpful, but sometimes not. So, yeah. how did I get off on this? Uh-huh. Uh, well, the, no, the church has maintained a theological component uh-huh. to to it, and I think in principal ways in the last forty years, with things like Humana Vitae, uh, even Vatican II has you've talked around what is the end and purpose of marriage, and mm-hmm. Humana Vitae, the development of things like theology of the body, the development of of um, you know personalism, uh, and and how that kind of relates as, as philosophic movements. All of these things have been very present within the church in the last forty years, mm-hmm. um, and the church has has kind of maintained that. There are, I think, however, um, not intentional issues 
with the way in which the church has responded around sexuality, but I think there's been some secondary effects yeah. of that. And we've talked about this yeah. kind of off mic before. Uh-huh. Um, in, in prepping for this episode, we were kind of going through our, our past sort of research, researches, sorry, resources um, that we received maybe in like marriage prep or even just as young adults, maybe in our early marriage um, around sexuality. And it was profound, the focus on the spiritual and the theological and the theoretical. Um, and there was usually nothing wrong with that. Um, a couple of times ran into things that were outright just um, just problematic. But virtually nothing on the actual personal, physical, and psychological experience of the marital act. Um, and so if... Well, and I mean, there's kind of an obvious reason why the theological and theoretical... <laughs> should only be known by, you know, that aspect is the well, extent yeah. to which celibates are able to communicate about sexuality. Abs- yeah. um, and I think that's a great thing. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, a, a statement about mm-hmm. it. But as far as the actual sort of um, physical side, mm-hmm. that, um, I mean, and I'm not saying that the church should be like going into excruciating detail about <laughs> these kind of things, but um, that, that the actual physical characteristics mm-hmm. of sexuality it's just not discussed. Well, well, so so like I think what happens is when it's not discussed, you assume that all of that spiritual stuff is is the ideal and it is, but you kind of get this assumption that the other stuff is not good. Otherwise, the church would be telling you about it. Right. Um, and I don't think that happens to everybody, thankfully, but that seems to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be a sort of common, um, common issue in uh, Catholic couples. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, I think I think that's just not a common issue in marriage. I think there's a common mm-hmm. issue in everything. In every, I mean, yeah. The church doesn't mm-hmm. say anything about racquetball. Um, I don't know. No, well, that's comes true. To mind. And therefore, <laughs> does that mean that racquetball is not a good thing? You know, and I, 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 I I'm saying that. Yeah, sometimes people think that you know that mm-hmm. if, if the church doesn't outline it, then mm-hmm. it's a problem. Well, know? and and especially with sex, though, I think we are in. Um, for better or worse, a puritanical Western culture. And if you... mm -hmm. That's really interesting because describe that a little bit because when you see, when the average person uh, hears (laughs) puritanic, Uh they are like, what the heck are you talking about? Okay, well, I I lived for a long time in the Bible Belt. Um, So what I'm saying is um, there's a very um, palpable taboo around sex. It is not mentioned. It is not talked about. Um, I think especially from the woman's side, um, discussions of female pleasure, of female experience, of female sexual identity. You are not supposed to be a sex object. You do not want men to use you. Um, I have heard so far in a chastity talk as a woman say that you should only want your man, your man should only want to kiss you on the forehead before you're married, not make out with you. And, and so you're told over and over that you're not supposed to be a sex object. You're not supposed to be sexually enticing. And then somehow you're supposed to blossom into this sexually enticing person in your marriage, um, and I guess what what I'm saying is, is there's uh, a sort is, of is that even the case though? I mean, uh, like, I I, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and you mm-hmm. know, I I every once in a while, like with large conferences or whatever, we'll actually sit in on the uh, 
on the uh, on the women's only uh-huh. um, section uh-huh. of uh, of sex talks um, or sexuality talks or chastity talks usually uh-huh. um, because I know exactly what the men's talks are going to be. It's going to be basically <laughs> like stop masturbating. Stop masturbating. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like you can only hear that like so long before you know exactly what the person on stage is going to say. Um, and so it's, it's it's with the women's talks that I find you know particularly interesting because. Um, I, I get this kind of vague sense that there's there's not really an understanding of sexual appeal within the no. church, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that somehow it's it's not even in the church within popular kind of conversations uh-huh. around this uh-huh. thing, as if that as if being sexually enticing is a is a is a bad thing in yeah, some way. Absolutely. And, and I have a theoretical. Um, I appreciate how uh, practical how how we're trying to steer away from theoretical here, but I have a theoretical reason why I think this is taking place. Mm-hmm. I think the church deep down has never really gotten past um, neo-Platonism, you know, and, and, and what that means. See, and I got in trouble for saying puritanical. Well, I'm about but to you're define, throwing it. <laughs> I'm about to define these things so as to elevate. You know, people um, in the audience, um, and I believe that most people in the audience know what Neoplatonism is. But well, we have a very educated, yes, intellectual I'm sorry, people. Yes, Why are do. you insulting them? Yes, we by do. By doing this, I don't understand. I See, apologize. Remember how we talked about the horseman? That would be contempt that she just expressed towards I, all of you. I apologize for causing such scandal. To all you Catholic Psyche podcast listeners. That's right. So getting back to this concept <laughs> of uh, Neoplatonism, deep down what it is is it's this idea. You know, Plato talked about this. Socrates talked about this. You've got this heavenly sp- spiritual realm of perfection mm, of the mm-hmm, forms, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got mm-hmm. everything here on earth participates within those forms. And, um, you know, for a very long time, Mm-hmm. There were certain theologians that really ran, you know, ran with that and started mm-hmm. to develop this kind of difference between the spiritual, uh, you know, the, the, saw saw the world as of matter as being an evil thing in some capacity. Now, the world of matter does have problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to say that 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 you know we should mm-hmm. be perfectly happy to, you know, remain in the current um, state that we're in. Mm-hmm. But Christ came to redeem, mm-hmm. and that redemption is not just a matter of, well, we're escaping from the here and now. Uh-huh. Salvation is something mm-hmm. very palatable here. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we will have bodies mm-hmm. at the second coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the matter is a good thing. And, you know, Christ does also say that there is no marriage, which we can imply that there's no, you know, intercourse uh-huh. in the second coming. But I think we can also then say, though, that it doesn't mean that sexuality is a is an evil thing in and of itself, and no. I think this is what the popes um, in the last the last four popes in particular have mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Um, the last three popes. Well, I guess John Paul the first didn't have <laughs> enough time to say it, but you know I think he would probably agree mm-hmm. that you know that there was this 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 sexuality is a good thing because it is a created thing. Mm-hmm. It can be misused as anything can be misused, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. and and the, but that there's this fear of matter. Yeah, kind of underlying absolutely, all of this. absolutely. And one of the things that we've talked about is that this kind of comes out practically in this sort of like the popular world doesn't talk about being like physically a- attractive mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. your spouse on either end. By the by, uh-huh. um, that there's not. It's just not really talked about. And then it's kind of it's it's not that it's shamed. It's just really um, well. Can can I speak from please, a woman's please, point of view? Please. So like a lot of female. Um, 
And and I can't obviously speak for every everyone universally. So hopefully there's somebody out there who's doing something different from this. But I see a trend in like um, Catholic female bloggers, Catholic female speakers, when they talk about, oh, you're feeling unattractive. You know, you should put on some lipstick and maybe put on some nail polish and maybe we can go so far as to buy some lingerie. Nobody out there is saying, ladies, this is how you move your hips to look sexy to a man. Mm. I, I mean, we're the furthest we can go is to put on a sexy piece of lingerie. Isn't that interesting though? Because and shave your legs. Right, shave your legs and put on a sexy piece of lingerie. But mm-hmm. like those are those are things that you can do. Like like that's putting on something. It's not mm-hmm. about being mm-hmm. something. No, as, Ex- as yes, you're kind of expressing there. Yes. Um, and so it's like it's it's a process of of. Of still separating the the person, uh, mm-hmm. the woman in particular. In this case, mm-hmm. it's about separating the person from that, mm-hmm. uh, from the actual, um, you know, kind of act. And I think that mm-hmm. that's I think that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Is is there an equivalent for men? Do you feel like male calves? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean like the body part, the not body like part, the calves? Yeah. No, okay. not the calves. Okay. I don't know. This could be a real weird. Never mind. Never mind. No, I just I think to clarify. I think that that's you know. I think that's that's um, there is that. Mm-hmm. I think there is this attitude, and I think men, male sexuality is different, um, and male no. attractiveness is is is, <laughs> is different. And I think sometimes though we try and make it more different than it really is. Uh-huh. You know, where we try uh-huh. and be like, oh, well, the, you know, there's absolutely no physical attractiveness that a man has anyway, so don't even worry about it, which absolutely. is just not true. Or I, I'm that, sorry, I'm saying absolutely going where you're going, not, or, not agreeing yeah, with that. Or, or mm-hmm. like, you know, the only attractiveness that a man, man might have um, is because he goes to the gym and wears, you know, whatever, I don't know, has a certain sort of, uh, a certain mindset to that. And, mm-hmm. and I... I refuse to believe that women are that stupid to uh, <laughs> to um, not fully understand that. Now, I mean, that that the male sexuality is, is 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 different, but I also think there's this push in um, the Catholic Church to just assume mm-hmm. that it's the male who wants sex all the time and the woman who um, has mm-hmm. to kind of, you know. I don't know, descend and as, or, 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 or like descend as like Aphrodite from on high, oh. uh, from Mount Olympus <laughs> to, you know, to, to, um, um, St. Theodore Balsaman says, you know, to fulfill all flesh, you know, and, and, and it's quite funny, uh, especially translating it. But, you know, I think, I think that that's, you know, that there's this attitude of like, that it's the perfect female ideal and that, that mm-hmm. the woman is still separated and that men are just kind of like aggressively trying to, to, to move in that, you know, my, my favorite, um, my favorite thing to get annoyed with is when, um, I remember an, I, uh, a evangelization talk mm-hmm. where it was like, we focus in on getting ladies in the door because we know if we get ladies in the door uh-huh. then men will follow, which is like statistically, just wrong. Well, well, it's and does it exactly backwards? Coincidentally, doesn't all of that just reaffirm, um, like the problematic stereotypes both ways? Because what I'm hearing when you say this too is, I am supposed to be as a woman this, um, this keeper of virtue, and I'm not really enjoying sex because I've somehow ascended to this height yeah, above you, you this above sexual yeah. <laughs> above sexual needs and everything, and I'm just here to fulfill your. Terrible 
earthly pleasures and I'm just going to I'm just going to lay back and smile because um, I have I have reached a higher higher being right where um, mm-hmm. you know as, as I, I, I think it's very often women are more interested in, than uh, than men in sex yeah um, and, and we should enjoy sex and should enjoy sex I think that that's that is definitely one aspect of it and I think um, with that I think it's really important to say that sex is much more than just simply a physical um, or mm-hmm. or animal or material act. Absolutely. But it is still a physical, material, and animal act. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing because we are physical, material, and animal. Mm-hmm. I mean that in a, you know, in a practical, material uh, way. Biologically. Biological. Mm-hmm. We are biological creatures. Mm-hmm. And spiritual creatures at the same time. We have this very, we are the uniquely odd creature that is both. Mm-hmm. And um, to deny that, and I think sometimes the popular church does that, denies the kind of yeah. s- uh, s- physical aspect of sexuality because it wants to emphasize the spiritual, mm-hmm. which is probably not a bad thing for the church to do in some ways. Mm-hmm. But what it has done is it has emphasized or acted as if the physical doesn't exist or isn't mm-hmm. important. And quite frankly, there are um, psychological ramifications for that in the laity and the, and the clergy. Mm-hmm. When so, we talk about that, though, kind of practically within um, marriage, you know, we talked about this right at the beginning here, that, that, that sexuality or sexual issues are secondary to usually other kinds of issues or are symptom, uh, that sexual issues are symptomatic of larger issues. You know, one of the things that you've talked about um, recently has been, you know, kind of that, that EFT approach to mm-hmm. um, attachment. I'm kind of curious, like, you know, from an EFT perspective, I mean, I can, I can talk from Gottman perspective, but from an EFT <laughs> perspective, like, what have you kind of been thinking about with that? Um, well, I should, I should preface this by saying I am in no way trained in EFT. I have literally read most of created for connection i have read most of the book so um yeah but we hang out with sharia yeah, right, 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 yeah. That, no, yeah no 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 um, oh, did I you just hit the mic again i was gonna not every bump the mic this episode time, every time no anyways kind of from an perspective it's, it's all about attachment uh um what what i find really interesting is she lays out three different types of sex and she has labeled these herself um but she separates it into three different categories one one is sealed off. One is solace. Yeah, she has she has kind of a fluffy way with words. Sealed off sex, solace sex, and then synchrony sex. Um, and seal. This, this, is, this is the 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 metaphor of the dance that uh, that EFT always uses, which uh-huh. I was like, okay, anyways, neither here nor there. I always think uh-huh. of you um, as the as the ballerina, you know, thinking about these things. Oh, my wife is a ballerina, by the way. So, um, but no, um, whenever I hear these kind of you know terms of, of dance and so on, but yeah. Um, and and so the sealed off sex, she kind of typifies as like think of like James Bond, um, multiple partners doesn't ever get really emotionally attached to anybody. It's all about meeting a physical need. Um, But when she discusses how it actually manifests in her couples, it's usually that the partner who is engaging in sex for just the physical needs and avoiding that emotional connection is because they, um, oh gosh, I need to remember this right now. Um, they're, they're afraid of reaching out for that emotional connection, um, that they, they don't quite know how to do that. And they're afraid of doing that, but they know how to do sex. 
Um, so sex and then, becomes the vehicle for um, emotional expression. In yes, in many ways, except they don't actually make that connection with their partner. Like right. they're hesitant to cuddle. They're hesitant. Um, they're hesitant to have eye contact. It's more about like just get it done, enjoy it, make sure it's the most pleasure, right. po- physical and, pleasure and possible. And I would say that this is probably in relation to. Um, Emotionally unintelligent uh, mm-hmm. issues, and that's a technical, you know, that's a technical psychological thing. You get, we've talked about this in the main um, therapist chat, but mm-hmm. uh, you know that 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 that's an inability to express emotion or understand emotion themselves. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they're bad people, no, but that they no. struggle in that regard. I I really recommend her book for this because what it what all of her couple examples show is that these are not. Uh, you seem to think of couples as like, oh, the other one is there. There's the bad guy and there's the good guy. Somebody is really at fault and they're just a bad person overall. And the um, and what she really does is bring brings about the humanity and and the emotional needs that are trying to be met. And so the next category of sex that she brings up is solace sex, where somebody is now focusing all of their effort to have all of their attachment needs, all of their emotional and physical needs um, into um, into the sex act. So they're looking to meet all of their attachment needs. They want all the emotional connection and everything, but only in um, only in sex. In other realms of the couple's life, they don't have those moments of connection. They don't have that secure attachment. Right. Um, and I would say that that typically is because there is an inability to, to understand attachment in anything other than an obvious physical mm-hmm. um, sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that's kind of what she illuminates there. And then um, the last category is synchrony sex. And this is the ideal. This is where um, the couple is has a built up secure attachment on all the other levels of their marriage or most of the other levels of their marriage. Obviously, we're all working on some things. And then it frees their sex life to be a lot more playful and creative. And they can focus on different things in each different encounter or in the same encounter. Um, and so it's not simply about getting your physical needs met. It's not simply about getting all of your attachment needs met, your emotional attachment needs met. Um, but it's about being able to fulfill both of those at the same time because you have um, built up that secure attachment outside of your sex life. Right. Um, and I, I thought that was... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think that's insightful. And, mm-hmm. and and coincidentally, just exactly what the Gottman method would also say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gottman has this, uh, John has this um, kind of famous quote now where he says, everything is foreplay. And mm-hmm. what he means by that is uh-huh. not that like everything is going to like be sexually enticing, <laughs> but rather getting coffee um, for your spouse, for your wife, or for your husband every morning uh, in bed is a... Uh, that that is builds up that sort of emotional connection, mm-hmm. which then you know will eventually lead to um, more intimate, more attached, um, physical physical union. And coincidentally, coincidentally, you know, frequency of sex. You know, there's a lot of there's always talk, always talk about what's <laughs> normal um, for couples, and the answer to that is what's normal is what um, your you know, it's as often as works for both of you together. You know, mm-hmm. but I think you know one of the aspects of it is that you know. 
the frequency of sex is, is, is one thing, but it's also about um, the amount of the emotional connection that comes from, mm-hmm. from each of that. Mm-hmm. And it's a secondary thing to all of the other aspects. You know, in, in couples counseling, I do ask about sex. Like, I ask, you know, how, how are things? How, you know, is it, mm-hmm. what's going on there? Um, but I actually don't dwell very much on it. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested mm-hmm. in, you know, for example, from a Gottman perspective, I'm more interested in what uh, fondness and affirm- affirmation looks like. I'm more interested mm-hmm. in a positive perspective. I'm more interested mm-hmm. in, you know, down, uh, you know, if, if there's issues of negativity within the marriage, because I know that really, really attached, healthy couples in every other way, sexual issues tend to be a secondary thing. Now, mm-hmm. certainly, mm-hmm. there's an entire discipline within psychology, and I spent quite a long time um, you know, working with people, but it's called sex therapy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and there is a Catholic way of doing it, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's a specifically around sexual issues um, and, you know, sexual issues within the couple and sexual issues within, you know, you know, understanding of sexuality and everything like that. Um, but but that there that there is a need for... Um, a need for that uh, kind of understanding that sex is usually a secondary effect of other things going on. Mm-hmm. And when those kind of connections are there, that develops uh, better. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the other thing is, is what are some resources? Uh, I think a couple of things, you know, it's the Creative for Connection, and, mm-hmm. and again, check the show notes down down below here, but uh, Creative for Connections, uh, create, creative Connection by Sue Johnson. Um, I think just the general Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson is one area. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and Julie Gottman, the Gottman Institute, has an entire program um, around sexuality, um, which, you know, again, might be other issues that are going on there as well. Usually there are. But um, then there's also, um, you know, things like uh, Greg Popchek's uh, Holy Sex Book, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite good. There's, you know, a number of a number of very good things out there. Um, when it comes to sexual resources, and there's quite a few of them down there. And if there's issues around it that get to the point where um, a marriage therapist is, is necessary, that's, you know, what marriage therapists are, Absolutely. are, are trained for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we've been talking, we're just about out of time, um, but we've been talking, ironically, about a lot of theoretical stuff, and luckily we've given some, some resources. Um uh is there are we going to do some future stuff that's a little bit more practical based on these things i know you and i yeah, have talked yeah. about how so I, I, mm-hmm. I, this is our sophomoric attempt of doing a teaser for next time right <laughs> this is you know, kind of talking about the more the more explicitly um kind of practical side of, of, of what teaser we're talking about sex um anyway <laughs> a little bit more of a uh, kind of practical side of it which will be next uh, next week um mm-hmm. so yeah join us next week on the marriage in real life part of the catholic psyche podcast take care <laughs>